When should you hire a publicist? When do you need PR? And how do you get on Spotify playlists? The incredible Christina Cano is my guest this week, and you're going to learn so much from her regardless of what you make. Let's get into it. Welcome to Fan Funded with Laser. I am Laser. The goal of this podcast is to help you build an audience full of true fans who are excited to support your music and creations. Today, my special guest is an incredible performer and publicist, music industry luminary, who I saw speak at the recent CD Baby's DIY Musician Con and was wildly impressed by um her name and please welcome everybody at home with a round of applause christina cano of the siren in the sea hi just siren in the sea not the siren in the sea correct hi welcome thank you thanks so much for having me i'm really excited to be here i am so happy to have you here so you do many things how, how do you describe your creative job like as a as an artist yes as an art i mean i'm um singer songwriter producer multi-instrumentalist uh performer as an artist yes. <laughs> and then a uh, career dualist in that i also am a as you i loved music industry luminary but <laughs> i've worked as an artist marketer i currently do artist pr and then i also help play on the diy musician conference and oh, awesome. other music industry events so i would call myself an Music industry, uh, Jack, J Jane of all trades. <laughs> I love it. So if anybody hasn't yet, check out Siren and the Sea on Instagram. It's one of like the best accounts I've ever seen. Oh, thank you. So you put out this music. It's gorgeous. It's like, okay, the word I saw was swim wave, which I absolutely. Oh, I made that up. <laughs> I love it. Yes, I love it. I love that. Yeah, it's like tropical synth pop. Like your music is so gorgeous. And the the visuals that you make go with it so well, which is such a hard thing to do when you're like creating like kind of your own genre of beautiful things. Um, you do an amazing job of promoting yourself. You do an amazing job of, you you know, growing your Spotify and making beautiful stuff. So I want to talk to you all about all of that. But I, I want to start with your journey. So can you tell me like what intentional and unintentional choices brought you to the point you are now where you're this Jane of all trades and also creating your own genre of swim wave music? Yeah, I mean, life is never linear. And <laughs> basically, I mean, I started music. I mean, I started, you know, the day I was born. <laughs> my parents, my mother's a musician. Um, she's a pianist. So I grew up with it. But um, I'll skip all that because it's never exciting to hear about. Uh, <laughs> then I, you know, really I played a lot of music when I was younger, but I moved to Portland, Oregon when I was about 21 mm -hmm. and spent a decade there sort of getting my feet wet with performing and getting to know who I was as an, as an artist. So like many young performers, I think I jumped around genre for a while. I mean, always trying to stay pretty authentic to who I was, but you know, you're like a folk artist one day. And uh... <laughs> Portland's great for that, too. Yeah, it's so great. I think, I mean, you know, like getting to play shows and just be like, you know what, today, I just want to get weird. And getting weird, like really helped me really get into the sound that I'm in now. Mm -hmm. So 
I had different iterations of my band. I started Siren in the Sea as as a project itself in 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, Previous to that, I was going just as Christina Cano on stage, and I really wanted a moniker. And yeah, so I started Siren in the Sea, and at that time, it was like a violinist, an accordion, and myself. And I was doing sort of like European folk, um, (laughs) really dark folk. You know, I've always been, I always dabble in the dark arts, but I definitely at that time was like, it was just really bootstrappy, like uh, influenced by my surroundings and by the Pacific Northwest and the woods. Um, but I, the name was developed um, then in 2010. And since then, I feel like I've been trying to, or I have been working towards really defining the full Siren in the Sea sound. And so in 2017, I put out an album called This Time with Feeling. And that was sort of my debut album. And that's really where I dove into this other aspect of my writing, which is a lot more like synth-based and larger arrangements, orchestration, and that sort of thing. And so 2017 was like the, I think, turning point for me as an artist, because I then put a band together that would help me develop that sound further. And then this last album was everything since that band started and really just wanted to like completely dive into who I am as a producer so I spent a few years working on this album and I'm really really proud of it Um, it's called for bathing and I really wanted to put as much of like complex shimmer swim wave uh, bedroom pop that I could in it and I'm, I'm really happy with it it's gorgeous it's gorgeous thank you so so you do a lot of things with artists and it seems like I mean DIY con is one of the things I I don't know Mm -hmm. if DIY is one of your big principles I guess my my question is do you have like a mission statement or a goal that guides the different ways that you approach music both your own and for other people yes and I'm sort of on the journey of to getting to where I am not only as a performer but also as a professional is Mm -hmm. that I was working at CD Baby in 2014 Um, just doing artist services, customer service, that sort of thing. And I really, really loved the principles of that company. You know, independent artist, you do you, um, nobody owns your rights. I quit that job in 2014 to then go on tour. I was performing as a synth player and keyboard player for Sally Ford and touring internationally for a few years. And that was awesome, super fun experience. But then I found myself needing a job again and I came back and I came back to CD Baby and they've, you know, continued to fuel sort of my passion for my career, which is to continue to help not only educate other independent artists on how to do this and how to make a career out of it, but to also inspire other artists um, to sort of define what success means to them. Because I do think that we're often stuck in this like really narrow view of what success means as an artist. And so I think my mission statement in everything I do is to help champion cheerlead promote help with any sort of like marketing advice that I can give any PR advice um, to help other artists reach their personal goals and not just like whatever broad goals they feel have been projected onto them oh that's wonderful I think so many people like start down a path without really realizing that that path isn't even leading them to where they want to (laughs) go I know or that those things change like where you want to go does evolve you know when I was 21 and starting out I thought I'd be doing like crazy world tours for the rest of my life and that that's evolved it doesn't mean I don't want to do that forever but I do think that like your objectives do evolve as an artist and it's okay yeah and how can you reach the goals you have for yourself and not the goals that you think 
you have to reach because other people have reached. Absolutely. Well, on that note, let's talk about your latest album, which is gorgeous for bathing. Um, When you were deciding to launch this record, because it has like, I, I, I feel like you released it and it has like this it's just amazing I'm so impressed oh <laughs> um, that means so much to hear thank you <laughs> just like not only the record but like the way you did it so so why did you decide to launch it the way you did how did you launch mm-hmm. it how did you define success for mm. you before you went into that process good question <laughs> yeah. I started I mean even writing it mm-hmm. was in 20 at the end of it 2018 um and Obviously, I was really thematically driven by this album. Mm -hmm. Um, I literally wrote the words for bathing on an index card the day I came up with the idea for the album and had it on my desk. And that was the end of 2018. So I spent, you know, one, two, almost three years or two two years working to having this idea come to fruition. And I knew that obviously it was themed for the experience of bathing, but it's also about so many other things. It's about sort of like sitting in your own feels. It's about Mm -hmm. decompressing and taking a minute. Um, It's about uh, learning how to meditate, whatever that means for you. For me, it was bathing was my way of meditating through a darker period of my life at the end of 2018. So I was like trying to find a way to connect to myself and ironically how to ground within water. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just like a lot of sort of like self-care. Self-care, I really... Um, it's getting overplayed yeah, <laughs> the yeah, term yeah. self-care yeah. so I don't want to use that word but sort of just like grounding um, was the the root of it so with that obviously visually bathing was going to be a part of it and I, I think it was in 2020 and about mm, I would say May of 2020 I was almost done with the recording and mixing part of it and I employed one of my really good friends, um, Tiki Mon. He did the first music video I did for a song called The Weight. Um, and Tiki's an incredible photographer, videographer, and just visual artist. So I sat Tiki down and asked if Tiki would help with sort of the visual direction of this album. Mm. And we talked through themes. We talked through, you know, theme- thematically, like lyrically, as well as sort of the flow of the album. Because I, I worked really hard to make the flow of the album in the track listing also sort of like go through this what would a 45 minute experience in a bath feel like so the first beginning of it is like a rush of energy and a rush of water flowing and then the middle of the album is like sitting in like the most still water and then by the end of the album you're coming out of it you're energized you're going forward and so I kind of kept that line with me in everything I did whether it was the photos, the marketing, the single release strategy, and then all the way down to the album release. So we worked on figuring out how to create all of those things up front. So we had a ton of content and a ton of visual images, a ton of photography and the music video all up front. And then it was sort of up to me to figure out how I would then distribute all of this content and how to like use it as promo for the album. So it was just a lot of legwork up front. And I think that that's my biggest takeaway is uh, it's really, really easy to get burnt out after all of the creative output of making a record. And I like, I of course, all of us are artists. Like, that's all we want to do. Yeah. But then there's like all this freaking legwork that comes in afterwards yeah. of the marketing and the promo and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, taking that with as much care as you did the album or the recording process is a challenge, but 
super necessary. Well, it sounds like you had like you assembled a inspirational team that that can make it really fun, right? And making that a creative as creatively fulfilling as the record, or maybe not as much, but like having marketing be art and not just marketing. I think exactly. Yeah. I think that that's the biggest thing is is look. I mean, we're all artists, right? So we're all creative by na- like naturally creative, mm-hmm. and so finding ways to then after you've done all of the hard work of actually putting all of that creativity into the art itself shifting gears and then using that same level of creativity towards the marketing aspect we're all capable of being marketers Mm -hmm. we just have to shift our brains into that and also sort of like disassociate a little bit from yourself (laughs) (laughs) because it is really hard to promote yourself it's very hard to not let all of like the stigma of like capitalism or <laughs> of, like yeah. uh or of like shameless promotion get in the way but you have to like separate yourself from it to write a bio you have to separate yourself from it to pitch to publications and and you know so there's so many ways to do it i definitely at a certain point have to like disassociate and pretend i'm someone else and <laughs> sometimes i actually do I love that. I mean, that's, yeah. I, that, <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, how do your fans find you? How do you communicate with them? I found, I mean, unfortunately via the pandemic, I wasn't able to perform, which is ultimately the way that I connect with the audience the most. I mean, yes, I feel that my biggest strength is my performance. And so not getting to do that, I'm not getting to have some epic release show. I mean, for the first album I did, I did a 12-day residency in a theater. And every single day, I had a different opener. And every single night, it was like a full-on production. I had actors and dancers. And like I put a lot of work into that first album release. And so I had to completely shift gears and figure out how to turn this into a production um, without getting to have that connection with the audience that I would normally have in person. So I found that the majority of the people that I connect with are on social media. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to use that to the best of my advantage. Yeah, Knowing where your audience is is super key. I don't use Facebook really. And most of my people don't. So while of course I connected to the few people I do know that are on there, I stuck to the platform I knew that most of my fans were on, which was at, that, at this point is Instagram. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's a challenge because I am always talking about how important it is to promote yourself and how to like do marketing, but I also believe that social media is like also single-handedly ruining our lives. <laughs> so yep. I had to figure out the balance <laughs> of how I was putting my energy into that and not getting sucked into using that as a way, a means to be disappointed with results because like a performance, you know, we get an applause or we get like an audience energy exchange that like really helps validate us as artists. And since you don't have that through social media, like it's really easy to get sucked in. So my big disclaimer with social media marketing is don't get sucked in and find ways to stay off of it as much as you can. Yeah, I love that. Talk to me a little bit about this Spotify pitching process and your Spotify yeah. pitching promotion imagery and everything because you are, hmm. I mean, a rock star. Hey, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I don't always feel like it. <laughs> uh, Spotify is an amazing tool. Again, finding out where my audience was was pretty key. I even did polls before the album came out that was like what platform do you listen to music on i did it on instagram i also did on twitter i also like asked i did a a session with like i forget which school or maybe it was university of colorado or something and i it was all like really young 
young students and I asked them what they listen to music on because I was really curious like that demo is a little younger than like my age group but um they're like a lead consumer and the majority of everyone was listening on Spotify Mm -hmm. and a lot of people listen on YouTube but Spotify is sort of like the leader right now I think amongst like a larger demographic so um yeah it was really important to me to get on playlists through Spotify just because that sort of helps broaden the reach of your audience Mm -hmm. um so I started smaller by finding personalized, like user-generated playlists and reaching out to people directly. Um, and a lot of it comes from stalking. <laughs> you can see the user's name or you could see like, uh, you know, they may even have like an email address that to reach out to or a Twitter or an Instagram handle. So like in terms of finding them, you would just be like, okay, my music is good for baths and you'd search yeah stuff like that okay Uh or or more specifically genre you know i'm electro pop i i mean it's really hard to want to define yourself genre wise but stick to what you know like are you an electronic female producer are you or electronic producer whatever like Mm -hmm. look for the genre that best defines your music and then search within that so that's where i started you know, I'm Colombian, so I also found a few cool, like, Latinx playlists as well mm. that I reached out to. Um, just sort of leaned in on, on like, the, the music that I'm making. Like, where does it fit in the landscape? Um, so I did that. And then also used the Spotify editorial pitching tool, which is built into your Spotify for Artists account. Mm-hmm. I know that it can be super easy to forget that, but that was, like, the biggest help because I'm a small fish I know that I've been able to grow my Spotify following but it's still like not the biggest following so I just didn't think there would be much that would come out of that you know I'm I'm not like a top 40 artist I'm not like on these huge playlists that are on Spotify so I was just like well nothing's really gonna happen from this and then when the album came out one of the songs on the album ended up on one of these Spotify editorial playlists, which was super cool. I like lost my shit. <laughs> and and I, I mean, I can only assume that it came from doing that tool and also from like consistently getting placed on other playlists. And so it's all algorithmic. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I'm really glad it did. Uh, but I did a lot of work in advance that I'm sure helped. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, you you also you also share all these playlists, which it makes it I mean, I think it's so important that we like, I think a lot of times we forget to like that celebrating our successes makes our audience feel good. And it makes us feel good. Totally. Um, But you have this like beautiful feed where all of your posts look really cohesive. Can you talk about that? Yeah, part of that is because I used to do social media for CD Baby. (laughs) And I learned how to do that stuff. Um, Part of it is because, again, I don't really like to use social media personally anymore, like for personal, personal use. Um, Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, I'm on it every day. But I also really just wanted my music page to be dedicated to the music um, while still giving people a peek into who I am personally. Mm -hmm. Um, So I decided that anything on the feed was dedicated to the music. Um, I also heard that at a conference, a woman named Katie Long, who runs DIY Public Relations Inc., who I also work with sometimes. Yes. She mentioned this in a conference that I had helped plan in Valencia, Spain. A few years ago, she said, when 
writers, um, journalists, or just anybody is looking at your, your Instagram or your Facebook, your feed, if they don't see that at least like the last, at some point in the last eight photos, you've posted something about your music, they may not take you seriously as a musician or they may not know that that's your main focus. Mm. So I remember hearing that at, at the end of 2018 and being like, uh-oh. And so <laughs> when I decided to like launch this album and promote this album, I decided to take that part a little more seriously and make these sort of cohesive posts. One thing that is really, really easy is just sharing anytime anybody supports you. Yeah, Like you said, it can often feel like we're patting ourselves on the back <laughs> when we're sharing this stuff, but let go of that projection because that's more of a fear of what other people think. And once I let go, instead of getting people, I'm sure that people unfollowed me because they're like, she's so full of herself. But for the most part, I was getting other people being like, hey, you're good at marketing. And I was like, oh, cool. Thank you. I'm glad that it's coming through. <laughs> but yeah, share what other people, um, when other people support you. When somebody puts you on a playlist, that's a huge, huge support for you. So make sure that you sort of like scratch their back too and share their playlist. Yeah. If somebody makes an amazing review on Amazon of your music, uh, go ahead and take a screenshot of that review and reshare that. If somebody shares it in their stories that they're listening to your music like go ahead and share that that's free content and it's also just like sort of thanking somebody for for giving a shit and it makes i don't know it makes people happy like the internet's so so full of sad things like people enjoying art and then like that's nice <laughs> people want to support each other we're like in such a crazy like divided time that ultimately we also want to just like take care of each other too yeah like the village is coming together especially the community of artists i think we're like really really stoked when other artists are succeeding um hopefully most of the time so i think people are are your success it's uh it took me a while because i too am sort of this person that's like well i don't want to share this because it's gonna seem like i'm like showing off but at the same time, if you got a music review in a magazine, go ahead and share it. That's important. It's important <laughs> that somebody reads it and knows, like, you're a somebody now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, so you just mentioned this. You do some work with DIY Public Relations, Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, like, for your own album or for other albums, how do you think about, like, for example, if I were to be, say, launching an album in mm-hmm. three months and I, and I am terrified um, because I really want it to do well, um, like when you start thinking about PR, mm-hmm. um, where do you, your mind go? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> A huge question. A huge question. Yeah, it's loaded because yeah. on the one hand, I really, really think it's important to push on it Mm -hmm. one thing that katie long has said to me that i thought was really useful actually i heard it her say it to a client and i i held on to it is that pr isn't necessarily meant to push metrics um you're not necessarily going to get like a hundred thousand new monthly followers on spotify because they read an article in rolling stone what it is going to do is it's going to help share your story So it's going to make sure that your story is out there so that once people have discovered you, they have a source of reference of who you are. If you do an interview, that's your story being shared. You have an opportunity now. The interview isn't just to promote the thing. It's also to promote you and your story. So when you do PR, 
it's a wonderful opportunity for you to obviously promote something and to promote yourself as an artist, but it's also an opportunity for you to sort of shape the narrative that you're putting out there of your artist character or, or of your artist self. Yeah. Um, so I, it's super helpful in that world, but it's not necessarily something that's going to like completely change the needle on how many people are listening, you know? Obviously, if you get put in Rolling Stone, you're going to catch more fish. Yeah. But but also remember, like, how do we consume media? Like, most of us are scrolling and we see an article and we read the article. And, like, we're not always clicking through and then reading, listening to that artist, you know. We might have the best intentions to do that, but it doesn't always happen. So what we do, though, is we take a mental note. Now we've seen that name. Now we've read that story. There's maybe something in that story that was really interesting and maybe that'll help push that person or that audience into becoming a, a listener. But ultimately, it is just about telling your story. So it's a really, really useful tool. It's absolutely important. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it can feel like a total challenge yeah. to get through because the world is changing. Journalism is changing. Press is changing the roles in those fields are changing and writers are quitting or writers are getting like, it's just, it's a smaller tank. It feels like, yeah. but it's worth pursuing. I love that. I love that. I think it's a totally different question. And I, I, I agree mm -hmm. with that. Like as a former journalist, like it's so yeah. weird to, you know, that's all you're doing is telling a story. It's really hard to, to, you know, put a call to action in a story, even if you really want to. Yeah, totally. But my next question is in a different direction. And it's based on, you know, the promise of this podcast, which is, you know, the revenue streams of music in 2021. Mm -hmm. We're all mm -hmm. trapped at home for the most part yeah. still. You know, Spotify is part of it. What does it look like for you in terms of like, what directions do you go? I saw you printed vinyl, which I'm very impressed by. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I still haven't yeah. worked up the courage. <laughs> um, I mean, don't, don't print it unless you're willing to accept that maybe <laughs> it's a loss. And it wasn't. Fortunately for me, it was not. Um, one of the reasons is because I didn't really give people a lot of options on how to support me physically outside of that until closer to the date. So I set up a vinyl pre-sale, um, you know, a month and a half before the album release. Nice. And that really helped because people were excited to receive this in advance of the album. Um, and everybody that ordered it got it before the actual album released digitally, which is awesome. I think I was really lucky at the time because when I first ordered the vinyl it only took like maybe four to five months to make but right now it's like super super backlogged so oh. if anyone's thinking of making vinyl start thinking about printing it at least like almost like nine months to a year in advance oh, wow! I know it's really really crazy um that being said it was a really huge moment for me I've always wanted my music on vinyl I wanted my last album on it but I couldn't wrap my brain around it at the time and so I knew from day one that that was going to be part of this. Mm -hmm. And I worked really hard for that. And it was honestly, it was sort of like a, a milestone for myself as an artist to hit. Um, but it was also because I wanted like a physical, since I wasn't going to be able to play shows, people weren't going to be able to be in a room with me to perform. I at least wanted to be in their living rooms, like the creep that I am. <laughs> well, I mean, and that goes back to what you were saying about like finding your own metric of success, right? Like vinyl yes. is part of your artistic goal, right? And it may not yeah. be part of somebody else's. And if it's not, then probably you don't want to invest right. all of that money and time into it. Exactly. And I made a limited run. Mm -hmm. I knew exactly. I made sort of a calculated risk because I knew 
exactly how much I wanted to invest that I knew if I don't sell any, will I be comfortable with this number? You know, will I be comfortable with having spent X amount of money to print 200 vinyl or whatever? And so, and I, I mean, it was, again, I saved for it. I paid it all out of pocket. Like I don't have a label. I don't have a benefactor. I would love one if, if there's anyone listening to this podcast <laughs> that wants to be my sugar parent. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds way worse. Um, yeah. Parent, sugar, right? sugar baby. I would love it. <laughs> no. Uh, but I did make... I made cost. I like I sold enough that I was not in the red with them, which is awesome. I feel so I'm proud of myself for that. Yes. Like I I hustled hard. I like literally hustled it out. It was like cannot stop talking about it until I knew I made enough to feel comfortable with how much I had spent to make them. So yeah. I'm still trying to sell more. Um, if anybody wants to buy my vinyl, it is available on bandcamp.com under Saren in the Sea. <laughs> Love it. Or on sarininthesea.com. I love it. So the next question is, in terms of skills that you have and skills that you don't have that you bring in, um, mm -hmm. like what does your team look like and what do you recommend that people make sure to have when they're launching a career? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. um, I have an amazing support system around me of artists and logistical people. Like I have like a, a really amazing network. First of all, I have an incredible band. They're all in Portland, so unfortunately they're not here in L.A. with me, and who knows what that looks like in the future, but at least for this album, I had an incredible band. So a lot of this I did produce. I mean, I did, the whole album I did produce, but um, some of it, it was just me on a computer, mm -hmm. and then some of it was the full band, and so getting to like bring people in to really shape my songs was, was huge. I also have... Um, I mentioned this earlier to you personally, but mm -hmm. I have a built-in audio engineer fiance, so <laughs> there's that. Um, and he was such, such a gift through this process, just like helping make sure that um, my head didn't fall off with mixing and with mastering and all of that. So I, I couldn't, I mean, I could, I could have, cause I'm a strong independent musician, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really grateful for him and then in addition to that like I said I mentioned Tiki Mon was the art director visually I hired bad boy bot Victoria um, Campagna as the photographer and then Brian Schultz as a, a graphic designer so I had like a pretty large team of people I think that's like the band is five oh, plus wow, Justin yeah. plus it was like so it's about like yeah nine people I think I just did math right <laughs> so uh, nine people went into and actually that doesn't even cover it <laughs> Actually, yeah. now that I think of it, I also recorded at another studio and that engineer was involved. And then I had a, like a guest drummer come in. So it was like 11 people that touched this record. Nice. Um, and I feel very, very grateful for all of them. I think the advice that I give is look around. You have a network of people and they want to support you. Mm -hmm. um, there's no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in asking for people for support in areas that you're not super strong at. I know that I may be a great producer, but I'm not necessarily good. I'm not, a, I don't do mastering. I shouldn't even try. <laughs> um, and I, while I'm really glad with some of the mixes I made, I am so grateful that my mixing engineer came in and glossed everything up. Yeah. Like without him, it wouldn't sound the same. So I think getting as many ears as you can on things, getting as many, um, perspectives on how to tell the story because 
ultimately you know your story and you know how you want to tell it but sometimes getting an another set of ears on well how would you like to like how do how will people accept this story like what when I tell you for bathing what do you think of you know yeah that sort of helps me create a better picture for a broader audience that isn't just otherwise it's just me selling to myself (laughs) and you know that sort of thing so yeah um that's amazing I love that so for the things that you do um and this is my favorite question uh, your favorite mm. tools, books, softwares, hacks, like that that stuff that you use. The stuff. Oh, God. I feel like you're a Canva fan. Oh, my God. You know. It. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's whenever I see someone else's Canva post, I'm like, oh, they used that template. I know that template. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even saying it because the templates. I'm just like, okay, yeah, you have like an iPhone mock-up. That would be really hard to do if you didn't have Canva. Oh my gosh. Yes. Canva, 100%. Mm-hmm. Photoshop. All of these things are super, super easy to use. I use Ableton for recording. Um, I am a synth player. I love my Yamaha Motif ES8 as a digital workstation. Um, what else? We've got all kinds of fun instruments in our house, but I don't think that's what you mean. Oh. I think digitally, like like you said, uh, things for marketing, Canva is like the best because it's free and you can see how other people use it and then you just like put your picture in there and now all of a sudden you look like a freaking graphic designer so highly recommend i have come to my last question and it is this um what final advice would you give to someone wanting to do what you do take risks oh love it yeah the biggest lesson i learned in my life is to not be comfortable Mm. and to be okay with discomfort to be okay learning things that I don't know how to do, um, to be okay with accepting that I don't know everything and that I don't necessarily have to know everything. But taking risks is my biggest piece of advice because as an artist and as a professional, I've always just found that the greatest value has come from when I've taken a big leap. Like I said, in 2014, I quit my job to go be a touring musician and I would never take that back and everything I learned on that journey brought me to where I am as a performer now and then also back into the office like it it taught me exactly what I was looking for in the field of the music industry and how I wanted to support it professionally so that is my I think my biggest my biggest takeaway take risks don't be afraid to dive into the deep end yeah. I love all of the water metaphors you use. Oh, my gosh. Like, intentionally I'm... and unintentionally. There's so many of them. <laughs> I know. I'm sure it's obnoxious. But <laughs> it's true. I also live by the beach now. So it's just like, oh, I'm wonderful. just like, yeah, just like ride on the waves, my friend, the waves of life. Your branding is impeccable. You're so good at it. <laughs> I, do, I mean, the brand, it's funny that you say that because I also, I have a total resentment for the words like content and branding mm-hmm. and marketing and all this shit that we're like inundated with all the time because of influencer culture and all that bullshit which I have like total resentment for I hate it yeah and yet I like play the game because on it's a game that you, you gotta play if you want people to like know who you are but also I just think it's be authentic to who you are I know that I like to take baths and I know that I like to go to the beach and I know that I'm inspired by the sea and I know that I'm siren in the sea. And so all of my music, all of my visuals, all that stuff really is revolving around that because it's just what I like. I'm not trying to be anyone other than who I am. And people have said that before, like your branding is good. And I'm like, really? It's just a picture of me in my house and my robe. This is who I am. I have 30 <laughs> caftans. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just, maybe it's, it's not your branding. It's just, you're really great. 
that's, thanks that's the, so are that's you that's what we don't we don't we all think is like is it's not possible for somebody to be the school but the answer is yes you are mm, i just want you to know i don't know if this is gonna make it in there because <laughs> it should but i've been a huge fan of the double clicks for a long time oh my gosh. i saw y'all play in 20 probably 13 or 14 uh was it at cd baby or was it oh yeah you did perform at cd baby but i also saw you perform at um what is that place called that the secret society oh yeah yeah yeah. because uh, i was a part of action adventure theater company at the time that's right that's right right. yeah and you played like a fundraiser and i was super into it then i was super into it when you came to cd baby um have always been a big (laughs) fan so when you reached out to me i was so excited (laughs) because i've been such a geek and you guys have been amazing at what you do you're amazing marketers you're really really great storytellers obviously that's what you are musically and in in general like this podcast all of it you're really good at your branding too oh thank you i don't own 50 caftans but i do have a lot of cat themed art in my house so well then you know who you are (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing well on that note i mean i'll take a compliment as a good out everybody siren in the sea.com siren in the sea on instagram check out the record it's so good add it to your spotify playlists and be inspired thank you christina thank you so much (laughs) thank you thank you so much for listening thank you so much christina for joining me I really, really was excited to get her on the podcast, and so I'm really happy that we were able to make it happen. If you have any questions at all, please send them on over to fanfundedpodcast at gmail.com. Check me out at lasercampaigns.com for fun resources. Thank you to Kevin Cole for editing this podcast. Please share it with a creative friend or somebody who wants to make things. And please remember that the things that make you different are what really make you shine. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you.